Acts 16 and verse 20. I think I'll back up and read verse 19 as well, just to kind of give you a, a reminder of where we are in this account. When her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone after that little demon-possessed young lady was delivered, they realized that we have lost our profit margin. And they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers, brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not law for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, the magistrates, rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. And Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all of his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God, with all of his house. Praise God. Amen. Thank God for the move of God that came because Paul and his companions, they listened to the voice and the direction of the Spirit of God. The whole Macedonian move of God would have never have happened uh, had it not been for uh, their obedience and their sensitivity to the voice of the Spirit of God. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to talk about a Macedonian move of God. A move of God will always upset the status quo. And that's what happened here. In this, in this case, these leaders, these magistrates, these Romans, their whole, their, their livelihood, their Increase their profits, everything was upside down, and, and they were all upset because they're teaching things that are not according to our customs. And it literally says that they were so, uh, so disturbed that there was an uproar, and uh, all of them uh, said that they're troubling our city. Yeah. I think we need a few more troublers 
like that. Amen. Amen. The church needs to be a place, certainly, where the gospel is being preached. But when God begins to move, then the world is going to see it as something that is uh, convicting and troubling and, and uh, upset their, their life and completely turn the world upside down. That's what they said about the apostles. They said, these have come who have turned our world upside down. You see, the world, the world is already upside down. Actually, since the fall, the world has been upside down. And everybody has been opposite of the plan of God and the purpose of God. And what the gospel does is it sets everything back right side up. But the world views it as upside down. And they view the, the work of the kingdom of God and really everything in the kingdom of God is opposite of the ways and the thinking of the world. Amen. But a move of God will turn things right side up and will change things. And uh, the world may say, oh, you're just a troubler. You're just a troublemaker. Um, and um, uh, how long has it been since you've known of a church revival that upset a community and their, uh, their lifestyle and all that they're doing. Amen. There have been moves of God in the history of the church and, uh, that have shut the liquor stores and the bar rooms and uh, the saloons and all the places. Uh, just completely, the, the Welsh revival shut everything down, uh, all of the things of the world because there weren't enough patrons anymore to go and to, to, to partake of those things. God give us uh, a move of God that so turns things upside down that it causes us once again uh, to see uh, a little trouble stirred up in the community. Amen. That would be all right, wouldn't it? It would be all right. And uh, so they're, uh, they, they're, they're upset. They're coming in. They're troubling our city. They're teaching customs which are not lawful for us to receive. You see, the Romans were pagan. They were not Christian. They were pagan in their thinking and their philosophy and something like, like a, a gospel message that brings hope and deliverance uh, was something that they were not accustomed to and they didn't know uh, what was happening to, uh, to them. And so uh, their world is turned upside down. Yeah. Amen. God sent us a revival that does that that brings such a troubling and an ups, uh, a turning upside down in our community, in our country. Oh, we need to get turned around and turned up right side up once again. And only the gospel can do that. Only a real revival can do that. Amen. Then the Bible says that they were so upset that they laid many stripes on them and cast them in prison. Now, do you think that that... that uh, upset Paul or stopped him uh, from, uh, uh, you know, his mindset that was, he was fully convinced and his mind was made up that he was doing the will of God. Do you think that any of this uh, hindered him or stopped him? If you think that, then you don't know much about the apostle Paul. As a matter of fact, it was Paul that said, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify of the gospel 
of the grace of God. He said, it's not going to change me. It's not going to move me. None of these things, you can beat me. You can throw me in prison. You can, uh, you can cause me to suffer all these things. It's not going to move me. I've got to resolve. My mind is made up. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to see the gospel preached. And that's what he said in, in, that, uh, in that verse. He said, to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. That's why I'm here. He understood his purpose in life, his calling, why that he was called there on the road to Damascus. He fully understood it. And he just set his face with a, like a flint and a determination. This is what I'm going to do. And nothing is going to stop me. Nothing. Amen. On his first missionary journey, this uh, Macedonian revival came on his second missionary journey. On his first missionary journey, go, you can go back to Acts chapter 14. You don't have to do that tonight, but when, you, when you're, you can read about this, uh, uh, that the Jews, he came to a place called Lystra. The Jews literally drug him out of the city and stoned him, and they thought he was dead. He might have been dead uh, because either he was immediately healed or raised from the dead because the Bible says that he rose up. He rose up and then he went to a place close by called Derby and preached the gospel and then he turns around and goes right back into the city of Lystra and begins preaching again where they drug him out of the city and, and, and stoned him. I mean, this is a guy with a mind that's convinced that he's doing the will of God and no one can stop the purpose of God is the apostle Paul that said in labors more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons more frequent in deaths oft of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes save one thrice was I beaten with rods once I was stoned thrice I suffered shipwreck a night and a day I have been in the deep in journeyings often in perils of water in perils of robber Robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger, in thirst, in fastings often, in cold, in nakedness, and besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily by the cares of all the churches. Let me tell you what, this was a guy that suffered a lot, went through a lot, but none of it stopped him. None of it stopped him. As a matter of fact, it was Paul that talked about, oh, I'll just glory in my infirmities. I'll glory in this. And uh, my infirmities, I'll just say, praise God anyhow. And if God can get glory out of my sufferings, he was okay with that. Romans 8 and 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, this is Paul speaking, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Praise God. Amen. He understood that what he was suffering, when, when it's uh, uh, compared to the wonders and the glories that are ahead for every saint of God, suffering Suffering was small to him, and I think we need, to, we need to learn something from the Apostle Paul and these in their sufferings understand that when we suffer, if we do, most of us haven't suffered all that much, but if you do suffer, and as we get closer to the end of this age and the coming of the Lord, if we do suffer for the cause of Christ, 
Lord, help us to do it with grace and courage and confidence and to face the trials of the last days no matter what comes our way. So they placed him in the deepest prison cell, furthest back in the prison cell, placed him in stocks, and they had beaten them unmercifully. And, and then the jailer knew that his life was dependent upon him making sure that they were held secure in that prison. And now here they are in this deepest, dark uh, prison. Let me tell you, our jails and prisons of today in America are pretty, are pretty uh, nice. <laughs> and uh, the prisons and jails that I've been inside of to minister, I have, you know, it's, it's not that bad. It's fairly comfortable. But the reality is uh, there's places around the world even right now where people have gone to prisons that those places are horrible. It's unimaginable the kind of place that they are put. Can you imagine what it was like in Macedonia, Macedonia in Philippi and the, the kind of prison that it was? It was probably dark and damp and miserable and filled with all kinds of vile and wicked, terrible people that are there. And that's where Paul and Silas are placed after they've been beaten half to death and then placed in stocks and the reason they would put them in stocks was to make them to where they couldn't sleep or rest or be comfortable at all. That they were stretched into this terrible position and uh, they were, they were uh, suffering because of all of that, that they had been beaten and all that they were uh, dealing with. And it wasn't until, the Bible says at the midnight hour, now, uh, to be in a jail or in a prison at the midnight hour, you're going to hear a lot of things like, Men moaning and groaning and crying and cursing. And, and uh, if you hear anything at all through the night in a prison like that, you can imagine how horrible that it was. But somehow, at the midnight hour, the Bible says that, that, that they prayed. They prayed. They prayed. I don't know what they prayed for, but you can kind of look at what happened to them in the next few verses and can kind of conclude that they must have been praying about several. Uh, now, they may have prayed to be delivered, and they were. They may have prayed for grace to endure what they were enduring. I'm not sure what they prayed, but I kind of think they probably prayed for that Philippian jailer. And all their other prisoners that they're in the prison with, they probably prayed for them too. And... Uh, and so they prayed in the most uh, difficult uh, of situations. But the Lord heard their prayer in the jail in the midnight hour. But they didn't just pray. They also sang. They also worshiped and, and sang praises unto the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Job said, where is, the, where is God my maker who giveth songs in the night? Amen. Is it possible in your night hour, in your suffering, and in your darkness and the despair of your circumstance for God to give you a song? I believe it is. I know that it is. I know it's not only possible, but I want you to know that whatever you're up against or dealing with right now, that even in the darkness, your most dark 
time when you feel like you have been abused or that you feel like that you have been betrayed and you're all alone, God can give you a song. He can give you a song even at the midnight hour. Y'all remember this song? You can have a song in your heart in the night. How many remembers this song? Yeah. You can have a song in your heart in the night. After every trial, after every mile, anyone can sing when the sun's shining bright, but you need a song in your heart at night. Praise God. Now there's a move of God that's going on here in Macedonia, and God is doing some things, and sometimes we don't understand how that he's working and moving, but I already told you uh, this morning that this move of God in Macedonia that first of all, it, it was for a lady by the name of Lydia who was no doubt prayerful and seeking for God and hungering for God, but she just needed someone to come and preach the gospel to her. And after that happened, the Bible says she was baptized and uh, then she welcomed uh, Paul and Silas and all of the, 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 those travel, his traveling companions to come to his home and uh, to her home. And you'll see that they visited there other times, even in this chapter. That she and uh, most believe that Lydia became this big supporter uh, that encouraged them in their work and their ministry and uh, provided for them and blessed them and gave to them. And she was generous and no doubt had a lot of resources to be able to do that. And so whenever... Whenever he had that vision of the, of the Macedonian man who said, come and help us. Come and help us. What did that help look like? Well, it was Lydia who needed the gospel. And that help was provision for the work and the ministry that they were going to do in that, that missionary effort. And then there's a third missionary journey as well. And that it was help and provision for Paul and for all of his, his uh, companions. And then there was a little girl down there in Macedonia that had been bound uh, by the devil and uh, under the influence and the control of demon spirits and she needed to be set free. She needed help. So God led them to Macedonia so this young girl could be set free from those evil spirits. And, and then all the prisoners that was locked up uh, uh, with uh, Paul and Silas. The Bible says that they prayed and they sang. And in that same verse it says, and all the prisoners heard them. Amen. Can you imagine that? They're in prison with a bunch of rough, rough prisoners, criminals, murderers, no telling what kind of people that they were. But somehow they hear prayer. And they're thinking, what is that? That is a sweet sound in this dark prison cell. Never heard anything as sweet as the prayers of Paul and Silas. Then they start singing. And the whole prayer, uh, the whole cell, all the cells start echoing with the sounds of their songs. And all the prisoners heard it. And they never heard anything like that before. Amen. Praise the Lord. So all the prisoners that were locked away, they needed some hope. So the Lord sent uh, Paul and Silas and those down to Macedonia because those prisoners needed to hear a message of hope. And then the jailer, the Bible says that the jailer, when he realizes that an earthquake has 
has come. God has answered their prayer and has sent an earthquake. It's not the only earthquake in the New Testament, certainly not in the book of Acts. Remember there when they were under threat of their lives in Acts chapter 4, they were being threatened and told, don't preach in his name anymore, and they go back to their companions. And the Bible says, and when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were gathered. Amen. And God touched them and filled them and renewed them with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. It's not the only place that an earthquake came, and this earthquake was just a reminder that God is here, God has power, He can do anything, and He can shake a building or shake a nation, or He can do anything, He can shake the circumstances, and literally shook all the doors, the gates, and the bars open, and all of their chains that were on them, and the, 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 the stocks and the, the uh, chains that were were on them, all of it fell off, uh, which was the power of God bringing deliverance to every one of those men that were in that prison. Praise God. The, the jailer then comes running in because he knows he's responsible and his life is not worth anything if one of those prisoners escapes. They are his responsibility if they're gone, he is dead. And he sees the, 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 the doors open, the gates are open, and, and uh, he immediately thinks they're all gone and have escaped. And he raises up his sword to kill himself. But God has sent help to Macedonia to a man who was a jailer in that Roman cell. And uh, he sent help to them do yourself no harm. Don't hurt yourself. Don't kill yourself. And he comes in and sees that the prisoners are all still there. And uh, now I know you all know this story, but let me tell you, it's a wonderful thing when you think about the fact that God sent them there to, uh, to give hope to prisoners and to, to provide uh, hope and salvation for that Philippian jailer and all of his household. Amen. Praise God. Don't do yourself any harm. We're still here. Then he called for a light, sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Praise God. Amen. And then he answered him. All you have to do is believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're going to be saved. That Philippian jailer got saved that night. It says in all of his house, all of his house, that must have been prophetic because he's, he's going to take him to his house and then he's going to preach. They're going to preach uh, to all of his house and the whole household is going to get saved and baptized all that night. This is all happening in the middle of the night. Praise God. Amen. And they, they, they believed upon the Lord. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straightway. Praise God. Amen. To me, the most important message here is that God 
directed, supernaturally directed Paul and Silas and the rest of his companions to go where they went to direct them to the, to the great need, to the great need in Macedonia, and then God start moving. God start moving down by the river and Lydia got saved. I'm sure she wasn't the only one. Then God started moving uh, for this little damsel, demon-possessed. God moved for her, set her free. God moved even though that uh, Paul and Silas were thrown in jail and mistreated and abused, God was still moving in that situation to provide hope and salvation to all those prisoners and to that Philippian jailer and all of his household. Praise God. You know, I, what I, all I could think of uh, what, when I was studying this was a little phrase, help is on the way. Amen. Amen. Help is on the way. God can send help to, to, uh, uh, to, to anyone, no matter where they are, even however far off that they might be, and whatever the circumstances that they are, God knew that those soldiers or those prisoners, those criminals were going to be in prison and that there was no hope for them. They were going to die likely in that, in that uh, Philippian jail. Uh, but God knew that they needed hope and so he sent Paul and Silas with help. Praise God. Hallelujah. Help is on the way, folks. Help is on the way if you'll listen to the voice of God, if you'll listen to, to, to God's direction and his spirit directing your steps. Help is on the way to those. There are people that are far removed from the gospel that you, you think uh, that, that no one can ever reach them. They're too hard. They're too unresponsive. They'll never go to church. They'll never be responsive to the things of the Lord. Oh, no. When God's moving, help is on the way. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Just put your confidence in the Lord tonight and believe that God can send a move of God into an unlikely place, into unlikely circumstances, just as he did in this Macedonian move of God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why don't we stand? Thank you, Lord, that you're moving in these last days. And there are people that are outside of our reach. We can't get to them. We can't minister to them, Lord, but you can direct and you can move and you can provide hope for people that are in hopeless circumstances. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have. Praise your holy name. And I know, Lord, God, that you can give hope and confidence, Lord, to the people of God tonight in this service. To know that you can direct our steps. You can lead us. You can show us what to do, when to do it. Give us divine direction, Lord, to know exactly your calling and your purpose because there are people in so many places they need help they need help and Lord help us to respond to the call of God hallelujah thank you Lord praise the Lord we're going to pray together tonight if 